Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 16. And this is the name by which you will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So far our text. As we begin this new church year, as we do every church year, we're reminded of the cycle of life and the cycle of all of history. As we once again pull out the triumphal entry to be heard of Jesus coming into Jerusalem to come into his kingdom. And hearing the crowds shouting and praising God for all the things that they had seen. Thinking, great, the king is coming. Only to realize that the king was coming, but not in the way that they were expecting. Not with the kingdom that they were hoping for. Because he was coming to be our righteousness and not just a righteous king. Jeremiah is prophesying around the time that Judah is being surrounded by the Babylonian army. They're seeing the end of their history as a nation in sight. And yet they want to hold on to the fleeting hope that maybe they'll just all disappear. That the army will just go away and find somewhere else to fight. Because they think that will be the fulfillment of God's promise that he has made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. And Jeremiah over and over again has to remind them, no, that's not the fulfillment God is looking for. He is going to fulfill the promise that has been made for centuries. But as with most things, God's way is not our way. So we say in the psalm, Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. This was Jerusalem in Jeremiah's time. They're like, we have the steadfast love of the Lord. We have his mercy because we're in Jerusalem. We have the temple here. Nothing bad could ever really happen to us. Most of them live to see those very words proven untrue. And they go away in shame. As the psalm also reminds us, they shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Not only are the people in Jerusalem, as they're basically thumbing their nose at God with all their idols that they have built up around the city, and their just sheer trust in the fact that, well, okay, God delivered us once, He'll do it again. They neglect to go back and realize in those deliverances that they would be part of the ones that were left behind. Go back to Noah's flood. And the wantonly treacherous were the ones being swept away by the waves, laughing at Noah for building this boat when there's no water. Or the Tower of Babel, where they think, let's build a tower to get up into heaven. And we can give God a piece of our mind. Tell Him how things ought to be. Or Sodom and Gomorrah. Or Israel, just a century before Jeremiah's time. 
being conquered and wiped out and lost to history by the Assyrians. All of them put to shame because of their wanton treacheriness. All because they were wanting to want. And that's all they wanted. And they're like, well, God's made promises, so he's got to keep the promises. And that's very true. God does have to keep his promises. Because if God doesn't keep those promises, the idea of steadfast love goes out the window. The idea of faithfulness goes out the window. But what promise does he keep going over again? To Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he promises the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. To David, he promises a son who would sit on the throne forever. To King Ahaz, he promises the virgin to have a son while still remaining a virgin. And later on, a branch of Jesse's tree that would be a righteous branch. All these promises, and they're all the same promise. The one that Jeremiah again repeats in our reading this morning. I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David. I will remember my mercy and my steadfast love. But I'll do it in my own way. We heard the shouts of the pilgrims, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. They were all excited for Jesus to enter in, riding on the colt, thinking, all right, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. That was Sunday. By Friday, they're like, yeah, this is not the moment we were looking for. This is not the moment that we thought was going to happen. But it was the moment where the promise was kept. Promise will sing at the end of our service this morning, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. They were looking for Emmanuel. They were looking for God with us. They were looking, but still with lonely, exiled eyes not seeing the Son of God doing exactly what He had promised to do. And when He doesn't live up to their expectations, they nail Him to a cross. But there, in that cross, we have the promise being fulfilled. The seed of the woman crushing the serpent's head the son of David sitting on his throne forever, the virgin's son who truly would be Emmanuel, God with us, the branch of Jesse nailed to a tree. Here the Lord is our righteousness. Here is where he executes justice and righteousness in the land. This is where he causes us to increase and abound in love as Paul hoped for the Thessalonians. This is where we find the confidence to move on from day to day. Because here is where God remembers His mercy and His steadfast love. He doesn't come down with a flood like in Noah's day. 
He doesn't come down to confuse the languages like in the Tower of Babel. He comes to ransom his people. He comes in the form of a servant to set his servants free. Because all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. That was the problem in Jerusalem. They accepted the covenant and the testimonies in word only. They didn't understand the spirit or the heart of the God who gave them. They simply chalked him up as being another one like Baal or Asherah or Molech or any of the other gods of the nations around them that had words to say that meant really nothing. And so many people today still think this cross means nothing. It's just a sign that antiquated people want to hold on to to give some comfort, although they can't figure out what comfort there is. But for you and I, who truly believe that this is where the pilgrim's request was made, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, this is where peace was made. This is where we find our comfort. Because yes, they were shouting it on Palm Sunday. They were shouting, crucify Him on Good Friday. But then Easter morning, the day spring from on high cheers us as He draws near, dispersing the gloomy clouds of night and putting death's dark shadows to flight, giving us the comfort that even as He lay in the grave, He was sanctifying the tombs of all those who would die. But then, the next time we hear the shouts of the saints and the pilgrims, it'll be with the saints coming back with Jesus as they announce His arrival for the last day. That day where all the comfort is seen for everyone, especially for all of us who believe as He comes to take us home. Because He is our righteousness. Amen.